Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... You guys have been really cool. I'm about to bring up your uh, first storyteller that we have booked for this evening. Uh, if you guys have ever been to the Narrow or the Narrow Video Store, you've probably seen this guy. If you've been to improv shows here at the Push Comedy Theater, you've probably seen him. Give it up for Patrick C. Taylor! Uh, hi, guys. Uh, last time I was here, I just remembered as I was coming up the aisle last time I was here and did a story, my zipper was down the whole time, so I just checked, and we're good, so I'm already feeling better about this. Uh, yeah, uh, so I've had a lot of lonely birthdays, especially in my early 20s. Uh, I turned 21 in 2001. My birthday is on September 18th, and in September of 2001, people weren't really in the mood to celebrate. It didn't really matter because most of my friends had kind of scattered to the wind. Like, I grew up in Norfolk, and I stayed here, and they were gone. And my first serious girlfriend had just broken up with me. And when I say first serious girlfriend, I mean the first girl who ever had sex with me. Uh, she broke up with me despite the fact that we had never once, in the year we dated, we had never once had an argument. Uh, we were just both secretly miserable. Like, I'm really good at being secretly miserable. Uh, and yeah, not long after that, I packed up and I moved out to Los Angeles to try and sell screenplays. Uh, and I did not sell any screenplays. A year later, September 18th, 2002, I was dead broke. And the one friend I had in L.A. who was my roommate, he had just gotten married. So he was spending all his time in his bedroom with his wife doing the whole you know, honeymoon thing. And I thought, finally, on my birthday, I'll get to spend some time with him. And that morning, he was like, hey, man, it's your birthday. Hope you have fun. And he goes back in his bedroom to boff his new wife again. Uh, yeah, that wasn't fun. Uh, not long after that, I moved back home. I moved back in with my parents, which is where I was living on September 18th, 2003, my birthday, the day Hurricane Isabel hit Norfolk, Virginia. Were some of you guys here for Hurricane Isabel? Yeah. This one, this was like a really big one. And for like 10 years before that, there were a bunch of hurricanes that were supposed to hit Norfolk, Virginia, that didn't hit Norfolk, Virginia. This was the one that was supposed to hit Norfolk, Virginia, and did. Uh, and it, it was bad. You know how tonight's theme is electricity? Well, there was none. The power went out that morning, and it stayed out for like a week. And my parents were quite preoccupied with this. It was just me and them in the house. And I kept waiting for them to get around to the happy birthday part of the day. They never did. My parents forgot my birthday. And so I just spent the day alone in my bedroom reading old comic books until it got too dark to read. And then as my parents are getting ready for bed, I go in, and I'm like, hey, guys, um, when Norfolk is up and running again, maybe we can go out and have dinner to celebrate my birthday. My mom says, oh, when's your birthday? <laughs> it was today. At which point she's like, oh my God. She still to this day feels guilty about that. I still get to lord that over her. Uh, and then the next morning I got up and I went over to, I walked over to my girlfriend's house. I couldn't drive there because one, I couldn't drive. I still hadn't learned how. But two, nobody could drive. Like all the trees that should have come down during those other hurricanes, they all came down at once. And so did all the power lines and street lights. Like when I got to my girlfriend's street, there was this giant tree that had fallen, you know, 
between me and her apartment, and I, I probably should have taken this as a sign. Uh, <laughs> I, because my girlfriend, the day before, she wouldn't let me come over. I wanted to spend my birthday with her, and she said no. She wanted to hunker down, just ride the storm out, her and her cat. And I should explain something about her cat. Her cat was this rescue cat that had been abused, and so it didn't like people, and it was nasty, like it would bite. I had taken it as an accomplishment that in the nine months I'd been dating this girl, I'd gotten to the point where, like, if I sat down on the couch and I put a pillow on my lap, the cat would jump up on the pillow and would lay on me, like, not facing me, would, would lay, and I, could, I couldn't pet it anywhere on her body or she would bite. But if I pet her right on the top of the head, she would purr. She liked that. Although still, at a certain point, she would turn on me and attack without warning. Uh, and my girlfriend was the exact same way. Uh, I don't want to use her real name, so for the purposes of the story, um, let's just call her uh, Isabel, because, because I love an unsettled metaphor. Uh, Isabel was someone who I worked with, and if, you're, if any of you are thinking about dating someone who you work with, you're about to find out that's a terrific idea. Uh, she was in her early 30s, I'm in my early 20s, uh, and she was beautiful, she had a great body, she was terrific in bed, but more important than that, she was whip-smart, she was highly educated, she was funny, uh, she was creative, she was a writer like me, and that's how we first started hanging out outside of work. Uh, she suggested we go and write together, so we would, go, we would go to Tap House Bar and Grill, and she'd be on her laptop writing poetry, I'd be write, working on screenplays in a spiral notebook, and what was a lot of like a lot of writing and a little bit of talking, that turned into a lot of talking and a little bit of writing, and that turned into going back to her place to talk some more, and that turned into friendly massages, and that turned into more than friendly massages. Uh, and yeah, next thing you know, we're dating. Although we we kept it on the down low, like we didn't tell anybody at work. Uh, and she was actually she was mortified to find out that I told my mom that I had a, a girlfriend. Uh, although I should say, like, she was in her, you know, she was older than me. She was in her 30s. I was in my 20s. Apparently, she had, like, a penchant for guys in their young 20s. She had dated, like, a streak of them, including the last guy before me who was, like, a drunkard. And they would argue constantly. Like, he would break into her house in the middle of the night. I think she appreciated that I was much more uh, even-keeled in comparison. Like, I did not have a temper at all, and that's where we differed. I started to find this out, like... Uh, we would, like, tease each other sometimes, and she, she'd be like, stop it, you're mean. One time we're walking in the grocery store, uh, and she's teasing me, and I'm like, stop it, you're mean. And she stopped. Don't you dare say that. Apologize right now. I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, and, and we moved on, me trying to figure out why that was... I just said what she always says, you know? But, I mean, logic wasn't always... Uh... Okay, let me explain two things. One, she had a violent temper. And not physically violent, but when she got mad, it got scary, at least for me. And the other thing was that I learned in this relationship that ar is that arguments are apparently a sport where the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I had not done it practically at all, so like if arguing was like figure skating, she was doing triple axles around me while I'm like face planted on the ice, you know, spread eagle just slowly sliding across the ice. 
You know, and she would yell at me for the smallest things. I mean, I wasn't a perfect boyfriend. I was in a lot of ways young and dumb. But I would get yelled at for, like, doing a poor job of picking out cucumbers at the grocery store. Or, like, I remember the first time she came to stay over at my place, or my parents' place, and this was also the last time. Like, my parents were out of town. Uh, we're laying in bed talking. We're talking about one of my screenplays. Like, a friend had given a note that we, dis- we disagreed with. Like, the moment I started to disagree with her, she blew up. And I still remember her standing in, in the middle of my bedroom in the dark in a state of undress, screaming and crying and moving into, when she would get really worked up, she'd start into the litany of traumas she had been through in her life uh, and the severe depression she was going through right now. And this was not something to take lightly at all. Like, she had a fucked up life. But at the same time, she was using that as a weapon against me. Like, because her problems were always a mountain, mine were a molehill. And so it was as though she was not giving me permission to feel any sadness or pain, even that that she was inflicting upon me. And I was doing everything I could in this relationship to try to avoid getting yelled at. And that would still get me yelled at. And, I mean, you might ask, like, why was I staying with this woman? I honestly believe that in her depression, she was in this spiral where she was determined to get me to break up with her to prove to herself what an awful person she was. And I was determined not to let that happen. And she seemed determined to punish me for that. Like, she would ask me point blank, like, why are you still with me? And she didn't want... Like, she wouldn't accept, like, because I love you. Like, that was amorphous. She wanted concrete reasons. Uh, so I would say I love the fact that we're both writers, that we're able to communicate on that level. Uh, and boom, that's the moment she would not read another single page that I wrote. She wouldn't share her poetry with me anymore, and I loved her poetry. <sighs> I, was, I was going through the worst time in my life, and I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it because that would be a betrayal of her trust. And I couldn't talk to her. I was too scared to tell her how scared I was of her. And yet there I was going to her house the day, morning after my birthday after being bummed out that I didn't get to spend my birthday with her, even though I'm not really sure I would have felt any safer inside that apartment during the hurricane than I would have been standing outside that apartment during the hurricane. And I get there, and she lets me in. Uh, she, she sits me down. She gives me my present. I open the present. She picks it up, and she moves it aside. And she sits down on the coffee table across from me, and she promptly breaks up with me. She tells me, uh, she tells me how the first time she heard me call her my girlfriend, she should have stopped it right there. She talks about how she thinks about cheating on me all the time and how she can't understand why, like, that last guy she dated was an asshole, but they fucked like bunnies. And she's just not even sexually attracted to me anymore. I'm no longer that confident young man she started dating. God knows why. And she sends me on my way, back out into the ruins of Norfolk. Feeling the way everybody was feeling at that moment, you know, like, 
devastated, but at the same time relieved that I made it through that alive. But let me remind you, we worked together, so that was not the end of the dark days. Uh, I was still getting yelled at by her at work all the time. Like, I was clearly totally bummed out, clearly going through a really bad time. Like, coworkers noticed it, customers noticed it. She would yell at me to be in a better mood, which strangely didn't work. And then finally, one morning, she calls me up in the morning, wakes me up to yell at me about some little mistake I'd made at work the night before. And I stopped her. I said, listen, you no longer have permission to do this to me. And I hung up on her. And, you know, I wish I could say that was out of bravery. Honestly, it was more out of sleepiness. And things slowly got better, but... uh, Okay, here's the thing. I I actually, I I really, I don't want to spend this whole time demonizing her. I don't just want to beat up on her, because let's think about it for a moment. She could be up on the stage talking about that depression she was going through in her early 30s and this string of ridiculous young guys she was dating in their 20s who didn't know how to drive, who lived with their parents, who didn't even know how to pick out the right cucumbers at the grocery store. And and we would sympathize with her. Like, she would do a great job of explaining how terrible I was. And honestly, listening to her, I would believe her. Because it's kind of like, in that bad time in my life, like, with that breakup, I listened to a lot of music to get through that. And I listened to a lot of my favorite musician, Elliot Smith. Do any of you know Elliot Smith? Yeah. He's like, it's kind of like Dylan meets the Beatles. Like, he had a lot of the music in Good Will Hunting. I loved him. Uh... And a month after that breakup, Elliot Smith died violently. Apparently, he and his girlfriend were having this huge argument, at which point either she stabbed him to death or he stabbed himself to death. And police, to this day, still don't know which is the case. And when I heard that, all I could think was, what's the difference? If you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.